Hello, Door Creek. Welcome to today's service. Thank you so much for joining us today. So we are continuing our series here, Watchdog, the Minor Prophets. As I always say, we call them the Minor Prophets, but their message is major. And so we are honored to today that we get to look at the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah, which means Yahweh remembers. Yahweh remembers. So we're going to be looking at Zechariah and his, his mission and his call from God uh, to speak to the children of Israel, to prophesy to them about their return to rebuild the temple. And so we're going to be looking at a couple of things. We're going to be looking at how the children of Israel react, how they respond to God's call and how the prophet Zechariah obeys by speaking the words that God has given him. Remember, a prophet is the mouthpiece of God. He speaks to the people on behalf of God. All right. And so Zechariah, he's going to speak to Israel according to the words that God has given him. So our, our message um, sermon title today is Under Construction, a Work in Progress. Yes, Under Construction, a Work in Progress. How many times have you seen the sign Under Construction? Maybe you've seen it in a, in a house or maybe you've seen it in the streets and the highways or somewhere like that. Or maybe you've seen it on a computer website where you go into a website, but the website's not available because it's under construction or it's a work in progress. Well, we as God's people, we're not perfect. We haven't reached it yet. We haven't reached the pinnacle yet. God is still working with us and working on us. As we say, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. All right. So we are a work in progress and that's OK, because at least there is some progress. Right. So God is working on us and he is going to build us up. He's going to show us. He's going to teach us. He's going to love us. He's going to correct us because that's all a part of relationship. So we're going to look here. As, 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 as the sermon goal gives us this, to always remember that God, or Yahweh, remembers his promises and always fights to rebuild his people and remain in relationship with them. Yes, God will always remember his promises and he will fight to rebuild us so that he or we can remain in a relationship with him. So Zechariah, since, since Zechariah was a young man, ever since he was a young man, get this, ever since he was a young man, he had a concern about rebuilding the temple. A young man. I was just having a conversation with a, a friend of mine from, from many years ago, and we were talking about when we were teenagers in the church. We were concerned about things of the Lord when we were teenagers. How many teenagers are concerned about things of the Lord? Huh? Yeah, we were concerned about things of the Lord. So here's Zechariah is before he's called to prophesy. He has a heart and a concern about rebuilding the temple. A few facts about Zechariah. He was a post-exilic prophet along with Haggai and Malachi. He is not John the Baptist's father, Zechariah. All right, let's get that straight. He had eight visions in one night. 
Eight visions. Now, I encourage you to go through Zechariah. We, we don't have time to go through the eight visions, but please read the book of Zechariah and you will see the visions um, from chapter one all the way through chapter six. You will see the visions. Now, he had these dreams in one night and they were very strange images that he saw, just like we do in our dreams. There's some very strange things we see in our dreams that we may not see in real life. Study them, please, from chapter one to chapter six. His visions were very apocalyptic in flavor and symbolism, talking about the destruction, the end of the world. It says, while the prophet Haggai aroused the people to action, it was Zechariah who encouraged them in the process of rebuilding the temple. Uh, Zechariah had many messianic references. He spoke of, of Jesus as the savior, the judge, and the righteous king. And he prophesied during the time of King Darius's kingship. And so there's some, there's some good background, but let's see what the book of Zechariah is all about. I've broken it down in three themes. The first one, Israel's comfort and return. So after 70 years of being in exile, 50,000 Jews were allowed to go back home under Cyrus, the king of, of Persia and Zerubbabel, the governor. So they were allowed to go back to home to rebuild the temple. Now, this is after 70 years. Jeremiah spoke, prophesied that they after 70 years, they would be free and will no longer be exiled. So this is what the word of God says. Zechariah chapter one. Grab your Bibles, please, wherever you are. Chapter one, verses one through six. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. The Lord was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore, tell the people this is what the Lord Almighty says. I want you to remember that line there because we're going to see it several times. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Make no mistake about it. This is what he says. There's no guessing. There is no. What did he say? This is what the Lord says. This is not what some man says. This is what the Lord says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty. And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Do not be like your ancestors to whom the earlier prophets proclaim. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Are you getting that? <laughs> Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Where are your ancestors now? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my words and my decrees, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your ancestors? So here Zechariah is coming right out with it. He says, return to God and God will return to you. It's like James 4 and 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If we turn to God, he will be there for us. He says, your ancestors who would not stop their wicked ways or their evil doings did not listen to the words of the prophets of old. The prophets who spoke to them concerning their life, 
concerning their service and their, 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 their worship of God. They did not listen. So God is saying he, he desires for you, for me, for us, for Israel to turn to him. He says, then they repented and said, the Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve, just as he determined to do. So when we say this is what the Lord, the, the, the word of the Almighty God says, that whatever he says, it's going to come to pass. So they are saying that whatever God has purposed to do to us, if he spoke it, we deserve it. Because if our fathers did not listen to what the prophet said, and we do not listen to what the prophet is saying, then we will receive what the word of God says we will receive. Make no mistake, God's word never falls short. God's word never lies. God never lies. His word will stand. And whether you're on the good side of his word, meaning receiving, receiving the blessings according to Deuteronomy 28, or you are on the bad side, according to Deuteronomy 28, receiving the curses. Where are you? What side are you on? So apparently here, Israel was not on the right side. But they are encouraged to return to rebuild the temple. Now, Understanding now, rebuilding the temple, it wasn't an overnight thing. It took about 20 years or so to rebuild the temple. In the process of, of rebuilding the temple, they ran into some, some protests or ran into some, some obstacles or uh, the, the non-Jews that lived in their land didn't want them to, to, to rebuild the temple. So it was for about uh, several weeks they, they delayed building it, but they came back to it. Because when God puts it on your heart to do something, whether you face delays or you face protesters or opposition, if God has given you to do it, God's going to make a way for you to do it. Oh, take my word for that, because the word of God, if he says it to you and through you, he's going to do it for you. Amen. So now here, the second theme is the building, the rebuilding of the temple. Zechariah 8, 1 through 9. The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. This is what the Lord says. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city. And the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. So God is reintroducing himself sort of in a way to Jerusalem, to Israel, letting them know that if you come, I will dwell in Jerusalem. I, it will be called the faithful city and the mountain of the Lord where the holy presence of God will dwell. So you got to understand what the temple meant to the people. The temple was where God's presence was. The temple was, was, was precious to them because it represented God. It represented God's presence. But we're going to talk about that physical temple pretty soon and compare it to the spiritual temple in which we are living and which we now hold as precious. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age 
will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each of them with cane in hand because of their age. Can you just see them in the streets of Jerusalem? The older with cane in hand. Now, it doesn't mean because you're old, you have to have a cane. But here he is. He's describing it. Okay, the city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. I remember growing up in my neighborhood. Oh, our summers were so free and fun and full because we'd be in the streets playing kickball, playing football, looking out for the cars. When the cars came, we'd get out of the way. We respectfully let them pass and then we'd go right back to it. Just having fun in the streets celebrating. God is saying it's going to come back. He says, once again, women of ripe old age will sit with their canes and the streets will be filled with children, boys and girls playing, meaning God is going to bring life back to Jerusalem. He's going to bring a celebratory atmosphere back to Jerusalem. You see, when God steps in, he brings life. When God is in the presence, when God is in your presence and he's in the midst, he brings life. It's a celebration. It's a time of rejoicing. It's a time to run the streets, have a good time and be free. And this is what God is going to bring back to Jerusalem. <laughs> Remember, they were in exile for 70 years. They couldn't do this. They couldn't enjoy. They weren't free. But praise God, he's coming back. His presence, the temple is being rebuilt where God will be worshiped and praised again. Then he goes on. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It may seem marvelous to the remnant of this people at that time, but will it seem marvelous to me, declares the Lord Almighty. I think about the scripture in Psalm. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. OK, so is your heart in your worship? Is your heart in your service? Is your heart in your praise? God said, yes, it will happen and the remnant will come back and they will they will uh, um, rebuild. They will begin to the work. They have started the work and rebuilding the temple. So they're working with their hands. But is your heart in it? You're showing up on Sunday morning. That's good. Praise God. You're showing up at small group. You're showing up at outreach. Is our heart in it work with our hands but is your heart in your worship is your heart in your praise is your heart in your ministry because we will find out that although they were rebuilding the temple it did not automatically mean that everything was fine because God doesn't look at the outward appearance God looks at the inward God looks at the heart the heart is measured not the external. Well, he goes on. Zechariah goes on. This is what the Lord Almighty says. God is saying a lot, isn't he? Yes. I will save my people from the countries of the east and the west. That's this represents the world. I will save all my people. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. This is what the Lord says, a restoration. We need a restoration. The temple needed a restoration. It was being rebuilt, but you don't just build something. You've got to change. You've got to, there's got to be a transformation that happens in your heart. 
Now, when I think about restoration, when I think about an old piece of furniture that needs to be restored, I think about, you know, you used to see uh, an, an old desk, an old chair sitting in the garage and then it's sitting there for weeks and months. And you're wondering, what are they doing with that old piece of furniture? They said, we're going to restore it. We're going to restore this piece of furniture. Well, in order for them to restore, now this, the furniture's got scratches and gulges and all kinds of things in it, and it's just an ugly piece of furniture. What are we going to do? Well, in order to restore that furniture, it has to be stripped down. It has to be stripped so that it can then receive the beauty. If you re receive a new finish on it. You strip it down. You sand it down. You get down to the, the, the gulges and the scratches so then you can refinish it. God sometimes may need to just strip us down. As the, the scripture tells us uh, um, in uh, uh, Hosea 6.1, come let us return to the Lord for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will build us up. So there's sometimes a stripping away of the old self so that, that God could put on the new self, that God could put on his spirit or his stuff. So we understand that sometimes we're going to need a good stripping down in order to be restored. Israel was stripped down. Now, how much more stripped down can you be to be chased and captured and taken out of your land and taken into exile in the Babylon? How much more stripped down can you get until God strips them down and he gets down to the scratches and all the gulges and everything that's in it. And then God begins his work of restoration. Maybe your marriage has gone through that. Maybe your career has gone through that. Maybe you're going through that right now in your personal life and you feel like God is stripping you down. Well, let God do his work because the word of the Lord Almighty says he will rejoice. He will bring you back. He will revive you. He will restore you. Hallelujah. Let him do his work. God never makes a mistake. He knows what he's doing. So Israel was stripped down. Jerusalem stripped down. But a celebration will happen as he promised in his word. People with canes and people running in the streets and people celebrating. Your day of celebration is coming. Your day of celebration, your day of newness. Glory to God. It's coming. Don't worry. You're going through your suffering and, and things are happening in your life. But hold on. Hold on. God has not forgotten his promises to you. He will fight for you because he wants to be in a righteous relationship with you. He goes on. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Now hear these words. Let your hands be strong so the temple may be built. This is also what the prophets said who were present when the foundations was laid for the house of the Lord Almighty. Do the work. Let your hands be strong. You'll be tired. You'll get discouraged. There'll be those who want to stop you from doing the work. But let your hands be strong. Let your heart be strong. Be encouraged. Be comforted. God is with you. So they are comforted. They are encouraged in doing this work and building the temple. 20 years to build it. But you know what? They put so much attention on the physical temple that they forgot 
about their hearts. Yes, yes. I'm so glad that God is not restricted to the building. I'm so glad that God is not restricted to brick and mortar. Is that the temple is now not a physical building. The temple is now our hearts, our souls, our spirits. We are the temple. First uh, Corinthians six nineteen, I believe it is. It says that do you not know that your bodies are the temple? The what? The temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you. For you are no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. Ha, glory to God. You are not your own. You've been bought with the price. You are the temple of God. Yes. So when Israel was all caught up, when their, when their temple was destroyed by the Romans, the, the second temple was destroyed by the Romans, it affected their worship. It affected their hope. It affected their relationship. It affected their relevance. They didn't feel relevant because the temple, the physical temple was gone. But I ask you again, where is your heart? Hallelujah. You may burn the building. The building may burn down, but it's not going to stop the temple right here. The worship, the praise, the relationship that we have with God. Hallelujah. Because he lives here. He lives here. And whether I'm able to physically walk into the building or not, God is always with me. God is always with you. So what, the, what, what Israel saw as um, very important, um, we see as not, not so much, uh, you know, they saw the physical building as important. Listen to this. It says God desires to rebuild was not just about the physical, but also the spiritual. What they, Israel, held as significant and symbolic was really about religion. Okay, now understand the temple represented God's presence, right? It represented God's presence, but it was based on that if the physical temple was gone, it, is, is, it was as though they had nothing else to stand on. But we, what we hold as, as, as indispensable and essential is about relationship. And that's what God wants us to have. That's what God wants you to have with him. He doesn't want you to have a religion with him. God's not religious. <laughs> he wants you to have relationship with him. Relationship is an exchange. It's an exchange of affection. It's an exchange of, of love, concern, respect. It's an exchange. So God wants you to have a relationship. We bless him. We love him. We worship him and he will bless us. That's what he said. If you turn to me, I'll turn to you. If you bless me, I'll bless you. If you love me, I'll love you. Now we do. We understand that God loves everybody. God's love is unconditional, right? But when God loves the people, when God loves us who follow him and who who, 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 who worship him and give our hearts to him. Those who don't, he loves, but they can't experience the same blessings as we do. Right? You understand? Because we are God's people and God has called us and redeemed us. So he calls us and he returns us from our backslidden condition. We were a backslidden people. 
Okay. Now I'm backsliding means that if I'm here and I step back, I'm sliding back. I'm backsliding. It doesn't mean that I turn my back all the way on God. It means that if I slide back from where I was, then I am considered a backslider. Now, my eyes are still on you, God, but I'm making some distance between us. I'm backsliding. I'm sliding back. Okay? So it means that you have lost, you have left the position or the place that you were, that God put you. Just like Peter. Remember Peter when he denied Jesus three times? Okay? He was a, he backslid because he kept his eyes on Jesus, but each time he denied him, he got further and further away from Jesus. He got further and further away from the truth, the life. He got further and further away. Every time they said, you're one of them, he said, I'm not. He got further away, but he kept his eyes. You see, many people come to church, they keep their eyes on Jesus. They keep their eyes on Jesus, but then they create space and distance between because their heart is not in it. Mm. Yes, take the pulse of your heart. Are you in it or are you just there? Are you in it or are you just existing there? Israel, as you'll find out next week, I'm going to give it away when, 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 when we hear from Malachi. You hear that the temple was built. Congratulations. But where is the heart? Where is the heart? So God calls us. He rebuilds us. He sets us up so that we can be blessed. Okay? And we're in the process and relationship with God. And our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in us. We are under construction. We are a work in progress. Look, the definition of something being under construction, it refers to a building, structure, or project that is unfinished, but actively being worked on. <laughs> I love that definition. It's unfinished. I'm unfinished. God is working on me. God is working on you. But I am actively being worked on. The Holy Spirit is working on me every single day. So you're under construction. And here comes the third theme, which I love, because this really brings a conclusion to it all. And this is the messianic kingdom that Zechariah is setting up for the king that is coming. Zechariah 9, 9 through 10. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim, Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bowl will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. This is Jesus. This is the Messiah. Everything that we are talking about, the temple, the rebuilding of the temple, um, coming out of exile, everything, God you know, dancing and playing in the streets and the older folks with the canes, all of this points to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is coming according to the Gospels. We, as we know, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a colt. We know that Jesus is the coming Messiah. And Zechariah is prophesying, as did Jeremiah and Isaiah, that he is coming, the righteous, victorious, lowly king. 
Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The King of glory, the Lord of lords, the God of gods, the bright and morning star, the wonderful counselor, the Prince of peace, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, the Messiah is coming. And here this prophet Zechariah is prophesying about him. He sees him riding on a donkey and he's coming in victorious and righteous. Hallelujah. Zechariah 4, 6 says, so he said to me, this is Zerubbabel, the governor. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So how is all of this going to happen? How am I going to be redeemed? How am I going to be restored? How am I going to be revived? How am I going to be victorious? It's not by my might. It's not by, by my power, but it's by the spirit of God. How are we going to overcome the enemy? Not by my might, not by my power, but by God's spirit. How will we be refreshed? How will we come into celebration and victorious again? Not by might, not by power, but by by God's spirit. God will repair us by his spirit. And to repair means to return to working order. I was broken and God repaired me, brought me to working order, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. God is restoring me. He's bringing me back to the beauty that he created, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. Hallelujah. God is rehabbing me, meaning he's bringing me back to strength. When you rehab something, it's become weak and you've got to bring it back to strength. And the way you bring it back to strength is by rehabbing it. Have your knees replaced or your hip replaced. You've got to go to a rehab center so you can learn to use it and bring it back to strength. Not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. He's reviving us, bringing us from the dead back to life. Or I should say bringing us back from the dead because we were alive, then we died. And to revive means to bring us back from the dead, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. We are victorious by God's spirit. Hallelujah. We are a work in progress. We are uh, uh, under construction and we will be completed one day, not by might, not by power. Glory to God, but by his spirit. And you know what spirit I'm talking about? The Holy Spirit. Glory to God. He offers this to you, the king, the Messiah who brings salvation, salvation by giving his life, by laying down his life. God loved the world, not just the nation. God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we in our lives, we are gods. We have been down, but we're coming up. We have been out, but we're coming in. We have been crooked, but we're straightening out. <laughs> we have been cold, but we're heating up. We have been defeated, but we're being victorious again. Not by might, nor by power, but by his spirit. He offers you salvation today. Will you receive the call of God? That we are saved not by our might or our power, but by his spirit. We are saved from, by faith through 
grace and he offers salvation to you today. Will you receive the Lord's invitation? If you want, maybe you want to return to God. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. He loves you and he will meet you where you are. You don't have to be perfect to come to church. Say, oh, I'm going to wait till I'm perfect to come to church. That's just like saying, I'm going to wait till I'm well to go to the hospital. You go to the hospital because you're sick. You come to the church because we're not perfect. And we need God's grace and God's mercy. Will you pray this prayer with me today to receive Jesus as your Savior? Dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me for all my sins. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for my sins. He rose for my life. Today, by grace, through faith, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said yes today, we would love to hear from you. The Bible says that there's joy amongst the angels when one sinner repents and turns to God. We pray that you turn today. And we thank God that he is an awesome God and that he cares for us. The word of God says, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. I am honored that here at Door Creek Church, we have a great ministry called Care Partners. And I'm going to call for, um, um, for someone to come in and, and just give a very special plea and, and to give you a short description of how you can receive the help from brothers and sisters who can walk alongside you. So please stay tuned for this great um, introduction from Mr. Steve Walters. Thank you, Pastor David, for giving me a chance to tell you about the Care Partner Ministry. I'm Steve Walters, one of the leaders of the Care Partners Ministry. Many of you may not know about the Care Partners Ministry. Sometimes life is overwhelming. Trouble in a relationship, grieving the death of someone you loved, Dealing with a healthcare challenge, fighting mild depression, feeling swamped by family finances, your job not making sense, maybe you didn't get that promotion. Sometimes you or someone you care about may need a Christian to walk through these difficulties with you or someone you know is hurting. The Care Partners Ministry matches trained Christians with those who are hurting. Here's how it works. Trained caregivers meet once a week for an hour with their care receivers. We caregivers listen, encourage, go over scripture, and pray for and with our care receivers. What is said in those discussions stays there. Confidentiality is critical to the caregiver-care receiver relationship. We caregivers do not suggest what our receivers should do. When asked for advice, we do not give it. We are not medical, financial, or, or counseling professionals. Christ is a caregiver, not us. We are there to help our caregivers work through whatever difficulties they are facing. And yes, these relationships can last years, but it's a powerful Christ-centered ministry that changes lives, both for the giver and the receiver. So if you know someone who is hurting or could be helped by a care partner coming alongside them, please contact Deb Miller or Pastor David at the church one more time. If you're interested in the care partner's ministry, please contact Deb Miller or Pastor David at the church. That phone number again, 608-222-8586. Thank you. Thank you, Steve, for sharing that very important announcement with us. So today, as we celebrate and share in the Lord's 
Supper, uh, communion, which is very, very important for us as the Bible tells us to, that we do it in remembrance of Jesus and what Jesus did for us, what our Lord and Savior did for us. We know that communion doesn't save us, doesn't bring salvation, but what it is is an outward symbol that we confess and that we believe and that we have accepted all that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has done for us and has laid out for us. And so at home, wherever you are, please join me as we commune together. Let me pray first and then we will then commune together. Gracious God, we thank you for this natural, for these natural elements. And we ask God that you will turn them into spiritual blessings as we remember and we rejoice in what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, after he had taken the bread and he had break it, he took it and he gave thanks. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After he had supped, in like manner, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the New Testament of my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you so much for sharing with me and the Lord's Supper. May God continue to bless you, strengthen you, and make you all he wants you to be. Thank you for joining us. God bless.